Welcome back. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on hour number three. And uh, joining us now, uh, the Pack-A-Day podcast, our uh, buddy Andy Herman is here. And uh, so, Andy, uh, the game comes to an end. Uh, I want to go back to the game on Saturday night and give me your thoughts. Uh, I think a, a bunch of stuff went wrong. Obviously, special teams. Rodgers did not play well. Uh, some of the guys downfield weren't getting open, but there was some locking on uh, Devontae Adams again. Obviously, the loss of A.J. Dillon hurt this team in the run game. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, as, as I was finishing watching this game and re-watching this game, I, I still had the same thought that I did when I when I watched it initially live at the stadium, and that was ultimately at the end of the day, Rodgers could have been better, the offense could have been better, and we, we can put a lot of things on blast of that as well. But in this game particularly, I have trouble putting anything much more than, than on the special teams. And the reason I say that is, to me, this was a defensive struggle. Every game is going to have its own unique identity. And I think in the elements, in the cold, and I'm not forgiving the offense for their play overall in any way, shape, or form, but I'm willing to give a sliver of accident forgiveness given the state of the game and how it was being played, um, that this was a defensive struggle. And Green Bay had every right to win this game if the special teams doesn't completely embarrass themselves in every single facet. And I'm not going to go, you know, break any plays that, you know, people haven't heard of and watched over and over already. But when you have a blocked punt that's returned for a touchdown, when you have a blocked field goal that takes three points off the board, when you have a 40 plus, 45 yard uh, kickoff return by Debo Samuel, uh, that sets up their first field goal of the game. To me, that's more on the special teams than it is on the defense in that scenario. Your defense plays lights out. They get an interception in the red zone. They set up the offense all day. And, and your special teams in a game where it was a close game basically allowed the other team to have 13 or at least take 13 points in their favor um, is just completely unacceptable. And then you have just like the icing on the cake of lining up with 10 players on the final play on special teams, having a full start on the punt right before you're, you're punting to, you know, back to San Francisco with the game on the line just complete ineptitude in all phases of special teams. At one point, even when special teams had been bad in the past, you could at least trot Mason Crosby out every time and feel like, you know what, every time Mason Crosby comes out, that's going through the uprights. At least you had faith in one area of the special teams. There wasn't a single thing that the special teams could hang its hat on all season long, from kicking to punting to covering to blocking, any of it. And it showed up at its worst time in Green Bay sitting at home, not playing in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau because of it. The uh, the move forward now, uh, I think it starts obviously with with coaching. Uh, we're waiting to find out about Nathaniel Hackett, waiting to find out about Luke Getze, obviously waiting to find out about Mo Drayton. Give me your thoughts on what the coaching staff may look like uh, in the next month. Yeah, it, it sort of seemed even as Matt LaFleur was answering the question in the press conference, it sort of seemed like he knew the writing was on the wall to potentially have Nathaniel Hackett move on to a head coaching job. There's nine openings, and he's one of the most qualified candidates out there. It would be pretty surprising if he didn't get a job, but still remains to be seen on that. But if he gets a job, obviously that offensive coordinator position opens up. Then I think it becomes interesting. I would expect either Luke Getze or Adam Stenovich to become the favorite in Green Bay for that job, and then the other to potentially be the favorite in Denver to go with Nathaniel Hackett to become the offensive coordinator over there. So Green Bay could have a major decision on their hands there between Stenovich and Getze, um, and then Green Bay would probably have to do some roster reshuffling there. I would be beyond shocked, I mean beyond, beyond shocked, if Mo Drayton is back next year, never certainly rooting for anyone to lose their job, but 
uh, is just what it is when you have arguably the worst special teams performance in the history of football, not only in the game that mattered most, but pretty much throughout the course of the season. So I think there's definitely going to be some changes, and it'll be interesting to see how that shapes out. So now that uh, we have uh, the season out of the way, the big question, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. And if you're Goody, what are you doing? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think Matt LaFleur laid it out. If we're taking him at his word, it sounds like everyone within the organization is on the same page that they want to bring him back. I will preface that by saying that if they don't want him back, it is still beneficial to say that they want him back to potentially raise trade value. Also to make it seem like maybe Rogers was the guy that wanted to move on instead of the organization. Anytime if you're the organization and you want to move on from your franchise hall of fame quarterback, uh, it def- definitely doesn't always look great from an optics standpoint. So while I take Matt LaFleur at his word, even if it wasn't the case, uh, that's probably what they would have said anyway. Um, but I, I, I do take them at their word, and I think that they do want him back. I think based on what Rogers said on the Pat McAfee show, it, it seems to me that if this team is willing to say, hey, we're not just going to do another rebuild and go in a different direction, that he would probably want to be back and play another season. And as things lay right now, And probably yesterday morning before McAfee, my answer would have been different. Tomorrow morning, my answer could be totally different. But as things stand right now, I think it seems like that may be the direction that we're headed in, where it could be another sort of last dance situation where they mortgage more from the future, try to keep as much of this team together as possible, and try to keep Aaron Rodgers around. And if they do that, I think Rodgers is probably interested in playing next year in Green Bay. What do you think happens with Devontae Adams? Because we know Devontae isn't going to give some kind of a $20 million hometown discount. It's going to be 26 to $29 million is what he's looking for. And we all know it's all about the guaranteed money, so you can shuffle it around any way you want. But give me your thoughts on Devontae. I think that's the, the linchpin to everything and maybe the most interesting aspect of all of this because I think you can make a strong argument. I think Zedarius Smith is probably gone no matter what. And then after that, there's going to be some other players that you have to make you know, difficult decisions on. I think after that, the most interesting one is Devontae Adams, because I think you can make an argument that you could probably keep the, the vast majority of this team together, maybe with the exception of Zadarius Smith and Devontae Adams. Not that those are uh, you know, it, you know, minuscule losses by any stretch of the imagination. But I think you could probably, if those two aren't back, keep, you know, kind of keep everything pretty close to what it was and then have a draft class added on top of that maybe a couple, you know, small free agent signings like a Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas a season ago, and you hope those pay off. Um, but I think the interesting aspect is, is that Devontae and Aaron Rodgers seem very linked, as Rodgers sort of talked about uh, with McAfee yesterday. So I think that's going to be the most interesting aspect. We know that Devontae wants to be paid as the number one wide receiver. We know that the contract with DeAndre Hopkins sort of clouds everything, the way that Arizona structured that, and the difference between what that is in new money and over the length of the contract is a massive difference, about $5 million per season and what the number one wide receiver pay looks like. And I guarantee you, Devontae and his agent want the higher end of that. And I guarantee you, Russ Ball and the Packers want the lower end of that. So I think that's going to be the most complex situation of this entire offseason is figuring out Devontae. And then if they can't figure out a way to get Devontae back, how much does that impact Aaron Rodgers? And then everything dominoes from there. So that very well could be the linchpin to the entire offseason. Do you think Rodgers takes a pay cut? I don't. And I, I, you know, maybe I don't think he takes a pay cut. I think you can make an argument that maybe he doesn't take top dollar if they were to, you know, maybe sort of give him some sort of extension or restructure his contract um, to the point where he probably could get more money if he really pressed it. Um, So I don't maybe think that he takes 
the the top end value that he could probably get if he really wanted to push for it. Um, but I don't think he takes a discount uh, or like a, I don't think he takes a pay cut, I guess is what I should say. Maybe a discount, but not a pay cut. See, I don't think he takes a, a massive pay cut. I, I just I, I know we always want to compare him to to Tom Brady. But that's, uh, you know, and I mentioned this to Bill Huber earlier. Look, no quarterback in the Super Bowl era has ever won making more than 13.9% of his team's total salary, uh, salary cap. So, and Rodgers is well over that and will be next year. I, I just, if he's going to continue to take that level of salary, and I know he said in his uh, preseason presser when he came back and gave us that big diatribe about what he wanted and what he, he thought the offseason was like, he said it's not about the money. Well, if it's not about the money, do you approach him and say, you know what, if it's not about the money, let's tear this up, give you a four-year deal, but let's make this team friendly so you're not eating up all the salary. Would you do that? If I were Rodgers or if I were the Packers? If I was the Packers, I think I would approach Rodgers that way. He's got to understand this. He's not a stupid yeah, man. No, I think there's there's probably things that you have to at least broach the topic with them. Uh, personally, I, I mean, I struggle with it because, you know, from a player standpoint in a game where the players get 50% and the ownership gets the other 50, I'm always pro player when it comes to salaries and I want to see players get paid. But I think Bakhtiari's, you know, a great example where if that injury happens, uh, what, a couple months earlier before he gets that extension, you know, he doesn't get paid. Like, so I'm I'm definitely on on board with players getting paid what they should from a fair market standpoint. But I think if you're Green Bay and, and Rogers is making those comments, I, I think you at least have to broach the topic. But you also have to realize you're potentially walking on eggshells a little bit with a quarterback who went semi-nuclear a season ago when he thought that maybe the organization wasn't valuing him the way that he should. So all of a sudden you bring up a you know well hey maybe we can maybe he starts getting that feeling again and you end up with 2020 off season all over. So um, I think I would tread carefully, but maybe a topic that you could broach if the, if the timing was right. See, my thought is, is if you bring him in and you kind of lay it out and say, this is what we want to do. We want to keep Devante. We want to keep these guys. You want us to keep such and such, go get this guy. He's now got a vested interest in that. If you want us to do it, we can't do it without you. And that's when he suddenly feels like, yeah, I've now got power. I've got a vested interest, and he even feels more invested. I mean, I I could be blowing smoke up my own ass here. Who knows? But th- <laughs> to me, it's 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 like when they went and gave Budenholzer to Middleton and to Giannis and said, "Do you like this guy?" Because we're not hiring him until you do. They both said, "We now have a vested interest in making this a success because we're the ones that said yes to this guy because they got it before they actually hired him." This is kind of like the same thing where they say hey you're making all this money we can't do this no team has ever done this like this so we can't do this without you what do you think that's when that's where i say you're not giving him general manager power but you're basically giving the best interest to one hold my feet to the fire as a general manager to go out and get the guys that we need but secondly he feels like he's making that sacrifice for this team to legitimately go to super bowls rather than just get themselves to the postseason does that make sense it does. And I think to your point, I, I think maybe the, the conversation you can have is to say, you know, hey, you know, we want you back. We're willing to give you the, the you know, market fair contract. And, you know, here's the players that we're going to be able to, you know, bring back if we do that. However, that, you know, we probably can't bring back a Devontae Adams at the contract that you want. You know, it, you know if you want Devontae back, we may need to look at structuring this contract a different way. Um, the same thing with maybe with a Randall Cobb on a lesser deal, things like that. So uh, Mercedes Lewis, same thing. So if he wants, you know, the, 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 the team that he wants on offense with the Mercedes Lewis, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, then you maybe approach that with him and say, you know, hey, we, we, we need some help from you on here as well because if you're at high-end value, market value, you know, contract, 
we can't bring all these guys back. And yeah. then maybe he does have that vested interest. Yeah, maybe that's uh, that's when a, there's a come corrects uh, moment, so to speak. So now moving forward, uh, you know, I don't want to look too far down the road to the draft, but you know, I, I would assume weapons are going to be the priority. You got to get better wide receivers for this uh, for this group, right? I would think that's definitely going to be a priority. I mean, the, there's so many ways that this offseason can domino, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, if, if Rodgers isn't back, then you end up maybe in a in more of a rebuild phase. If he's back, is Devontae back? And I think the weapons are, are one of the biggest things that have yet to domino to see all right, exactly where does Green Bay stand this offseason. Because you look at this roster right now, Devontae Adams, MBS, Robert Tunyon, all unrestricted free agents. Even if you get Tunyon back on a you know team-friendly deal, uh, it's like a one-year prove-it. You're not sure exactly when he's going to be able to come back or if he looks like himself prior to injury. Um, Alan Lazard's a restricted free agent. I would expect something to get worked out there, but you can't take anything for granted when every penny needs to be accounted for uh, this offseason. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't go – Randall Cobb, I would expect to be released based on his current contract. Maybe they could work something out there, especially if Rodgers is back. But you're looking at, you know, Amari Rodgers as, you know, basically your, your wide receiver core right now. So I think weapons is going to be a huge key to this offseason, whether that's draft, free agency, resigning their own. But that is going to be a major domino that has to fall and has to get figured out because they can't just go into the, you know, the next season with where things are at right now. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. And uh, as far as uh, the coaching staff goes, Matt LaFleur, give me your thoughts on Matt and how he's done. We all know what his record is, but how he's done as a head coach, because many seem to think that, you know, well, when things are good, it's Matt LaFleur's offense. When things are bad, it's it's Aaron Rodgers has gone rogue and it all sucks. It seems like this is maybe a four-headed monster between uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers when it comes up with game plan. Am I, am I way off base on this? No, it seems like they definitely collaborate between the four of them, and it seems like they all have different responsibilities. I think Rodgers is sort of, you know, has say over what he really likes, what play calls worked in practice, and what he feels comfortable running through the week. I think Matt LaFleur has a designated design that he wants to run, and uh, you know, I think LaFleur really is best at scheming what the, the defense does poorly and trying to attack those things. I think Hackett is more red zone. You get Getsy in some of the passing game concepts and coming up with creative stuff, so I think they all work collaboratively towards an offense. As far as you know, what, what Matt LaFleur brings. I think Matt LaFleur is a phenomenal football coach. I think everything that he does from game planning to, um, you know, how he handles the, the roster, how he gets players days off when they need days off. I think everything he does for the most part has been incredibly successful. We know the 13 and three, basically for three straight seasons, not including the lion's loss, which really didn't matter. Um, however, I think you can also be critical of the fact in three postseasons with three really good football teams, this team has two playoff wins. And if I, I'm no math major, Bill, but in order to win a Super Bowl in any season, the minimum that you have to have is three playoff wins. And he in three seasons has two. So even if those came in the same season, yeah, you have a Super Bowl appearance, but you don't have a victory. Um, he needs to be better when it comes to game planning and figuring out how to attack uh, teams and, you know, come playoff time when you're facing the best of the best. I mean, they basically no-showed for an NFC Championship game against the 49ers two years ago, and those sort of things can't happen. They were down, what, 18 against Tampa Bay in the second half. They didn't show up uh, the way that they're capable of in three straight postseasons now, and that has to be something that they figure out and learn from, and that ultimately is on Matt LaFleur, which he owned up to uh, both in his post-game presser and his you know season-ending presser, uh, but that's going to be something that has to be figured out because there's a 
a litany of coaches in all sports who have been great regular season coaches. That's not where you, you know, make your money. You make your money in the postseason, and that's something that he still has to overcome. Well, here's my next question, and then I'll let you go. So does he seem like a coach who's ready to break through, or does he seem like a coach who he's going to get you there, but he's not going to get you to the big game? I, I lean towards the former. I think he's ready to break through. I think he has every tool necessary in his toolbox to be one of the, you know, one of the absolute best coaches in the NFL. Um, but this is a proof in the pudding sort of league. And it's what's, Hey, what have you done for me lately? And if you can't get past that, then you have a ceiling and it's, it's really difficult to ultimately obviously reach your destination if that's the case. So he has to improve it. I think he will. I think he'll be better. I think he's dedicated towards it as he said in his presser as well. Um, and I, again, everything that I've seen, I, I have no reason to think that he can't. Um, but until he does, that's going to remain a major question mark on his resume. Good stuff, Annie. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely touch base again as the uh, the offseason rolls on, okay? Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find him at Andy Herman NFL. At Andy Herman NFL. You can find his stuff there. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network, and by our friends over there at uh, Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill, right there on Pewaukee Lake. You're going to do a little ice fishing? That's okay. Stop over to Curly's after the fact. Maybe you want to go watch them out there in a lake, pull up a couple, maybe a northern or two. Check it out just by sitting there near that front window, getting your pizza, getting your game on, whatever it happens to be. They always have good meat raffles, a lot of different things they give away, tickets to many different games, whether it's Bucks or, or Brewers games. They always have stuff going on right there on Pewaukee Lake, Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill. Terrific place. Ryan and his staff are really good people. Stop over, tell them we said hi. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show on this wednesday getting it done glad to have you on board appreciate it so much this portion of the program comes to you from our friends at the wrestling taco and i know it's kind of a weird sounding name but it's one you're never going to forget it's over in west alice wisconsin it's just south of uh, the state fair park a couple of blocks as a matter of fact on 84th street and i tell marcus and uh, nicole and everybody over there we said hi but they're great people and really good food really good food so if you're looking for a casual easy night out you know, stop in, grab a margarita, grab yourself some really good food. They have uh, some leather chairs if you want to kick back and actually sit back and watch a game. Maybe you're going to catch a Bucks game or a Brewers game eventually over there. Uh, some really, it's not a huge place by any stretch of the imagination, but they can handle some parties as well. But good food, great people, and it's called the Wrestling Taco. It's right over there on the corner on 84th Street, just a couple of blocks south on the east side of the street, just a couple of blocks south. Uh, the Wisconsin State Fair Park, but uh, just a lot of fun. And they've never had uh, a restaurant before. They just wanted to open a restaurant because they wanted a good place to go and eat and enjoy, you know, times with their friends and such. And just good, good people. So good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, do it. 877-867-1670. Um, John says, I think Aaron needs a stronger coach in his ear at playoff time to remind him to just move the chains you would think right from all that we've witnessed 
that's we could say that. You know, we we could say that. But there is something to be said for having a really good working relationship with your head coach. There's something to be said for having a really good working relationship with the guy that you are kind of a, a closely affiliated with. By that, I mean the play caller, you know. Um, so I... You know, Rogers made the whole went through the whole diatribe the other day about coaching and uh, you know why Nathaniel Hackett would make a good a good head coach, and he got into the whole discussion about um, you know coaches of today needing to be able to relate to their guys. Coaches of today, the old you know college coach being scared of him just doesn't work anymore. Um, it is it is a different um, it is a different mentality. You know, maybe Bill Parcells and Mike Holmgren of today's day and age would not work if they were head coaches. I think it plays anywhere. I, I think it's it's this, and this is – it's not necessarily being able to relate to your guys. I think what it is is your guys have to respect you. You have to be able to talk to them. You have to be able to walk the walk. They have to be able to respect you. It's, it's a respect thing. It's like any boss. I don't need my boss to understand, you know, um, you know, my way of life, right? Everybody's different. I don't need a guy that knows how to play Xbox and a guy that knows how to play the guitar and a guy that reads Zen philosophy, and I don't need all that. What you have to have is somebody that follows through, that if you talk with them and you believe in them and you know they're going to get things done and you know they have your back, they have your back. If you call a guy... Uh, and, and a lot of us work at home now. So if you got a guy that say you have a meeting with, say you do Zoom, okay, and you say, okay, these are great ideas. This is what we're going to do, this and this. And he say, okay, let's, let's go. And you get done and you send an email out. And you're like, okay, I'm going to follow up on this. I'm going to do that. And then it's left hanging. And that, that, while that guy may be brilliant, he doesn't follow through. He, you don't respect that. I think what you have to have is in a locker room, first and foremost for any coach is a level of respect not it's not just relatability you got friends to to relate to you you got people that you hang out with to relate to you what you have to have is a guy that knows what he's talking about when you and he are talking you have to have a guy that you respect because he's got an idea or he's got a philosophy that either one jives with yours or two that may not jive with yours but his philosophy has worked he has a track record of success in that regard. And you could say, okay, look, my way not be the best. Might, I might think it's the best, but it might not be because this guy has had success doing it this way. I'm going to try this. And then if it pans out, if it works, if things really begin to, to, to kind of work for you in that regard, that's what happened with Charles Woodson and Dom Capers. Dom was old, man. Dom was a, some old dude with an old philosophy. Charles didn't like it. And it wasn't until McCarthy got in his ass and Dom Capers got in his ear and said, you do me this favor. You buy in. Completely buy in. Give it to me. And then what will happen is, if it doesn't work, I'll do what you need. But please just trust me. Give me a little bit of trust. And it worked. And Woodson swore by it after the fact. And then they had this great working relationship because they were on the same page together. Sometimes it's about 
just respecting the guy across from you. So I know Rogers wants guys to be touchy-feely and come and give them a, a hug and a, a pat on the shoulder and care about their lives and their families and their kids and know everybody's name, and that's great. That, that's the sign of a really good leader that, that actually pays attention and has a vested interest in you and your well-being, and you feel like you have something there with that guy, that connection. But the bottom line is it's about respect. Do you respect the guy that is governing you and everybody else around you? Yes or no? Uh, Michael says, I don't want to hear about Rogers uh, talking about people rooting against him for his political stances or his vaccination. Uh, You know, look, I agree. I I said that yesterday when he was on Pat McAfee. It's like, stop, just stop, stop talking about it. We all know what you think and we all know what you feel and we all know what you did. And, you know, it's like there's this, this level of justification for for why things are the way they are. It's like, no, just stop, stop. Nobody's bringing it up anymore but you. And every time you bring it up, it's like throwing the, you know, it's like the fire is finally starting to die down, you know, just about ready to go away. And then you come by with a can of lighter fluid and just that one red ember there on the bottom, you squirt it on there, it blows all back up again. Just stop. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. 877-867-1670. You want to jump in, chime on in, feel free to go ahead and do so. We got a lot coming up. More after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back, the Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Hopefully you're in, uh, just kind of hanging out there and enjoying the day. And uh, got a lot of people chiming in today, which is really, really good. Thanks to everybody for being a part of the program. Uh, 920 Sheepdog says, I'd love to have Rogers back. Unfortunately, he's going to be gone at some point in time. The ability to get a significant compensation package is likely to alter the trajectory of the franchise for many years. Hopefully, Goody can pull off a Herschel Walker-like trade. How many first-round picks, third-round picks, second-round picks, how, how many picks do you think Aaron Rodgers is worth? Three ones. Think about that. Two ones and a two. You thinking? Th- you, you thinking that many? Three ones and a two. Three ones and a two, or two ones and a two. I mean, back to back MVPs and a guy with the right roster can clearly go right. far. Or has a chance right. to. Because you know the window as, as a team. You're not trading for a guy that's going to be there long term. You're trading for the next three, four, maybe five years. I mean, so Rams gave up for. what for all the guys they traded for? Jalen Ramsey was like two ones. Yeah, they gave up. Uh, well, don't forget, they also are still paying a bunch to golf just to be able to get rid of the guy so they could then advance. They gave up draft choices for Von Miller. Uh, they just don't have anything. They're 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 all in to win this. So yeah, I I think that there is there are teams out there that would give up quite a bit. You know, they were talking when I was uh, mentioning before about what's going on down in in Jacksonville that you could possibly, you know, get Trevor Lawrence and additional high-end picks 
you know, they would they would be willing to do that, might be willing to do that if that ended up getting, you know, Nathaniel Hackett. But, um, I, you know, I'm kind of of the, I, I, that's interesting. That's interesting. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to chime in, feel free to go ahead and do so. 877-867-1670. So I'm, I'm kind of... kind of wonder what you would get for them and what... Because uh, Mark says, well, get yourself a, another quarterback. You're not going to get a quarterback this this year. That's just it. And what you're going to have to do if you're going to get a high draft quarterback is you take the draft choices that you're going to get for him in the immediacy. Now, if you get a guy like Trevor Lawrence and you figure you're set, that's your next guy. That's that's who you're going to be set with. Um, but And Trevor Lawrence didn't overwhelmingly impress me, but how much of a pass do you give him because he was in that craptastic situation? You know what I mean? Down in Jacksonville. But again, I, I'm I'm I digress because I don't think you're trading them, trading them to Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville has a ton of money. They could they could trade away damn near everything and still have uh, a lot a really good team next year because they would have a ton of money. They've got uh, close to eighty million under the cap. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. Um. Yeah, Ramsey went for two ones and a four, as you said, Ben. And he's younger, but that's a cornerback. Compare that to a quarterback. Right. I think it's exponentially different. If you think your team is ready, okay, now let's look at it this way. What team is ready to go just needs a good quarterback? The problem is people would argue Denver, but you're probably giving up players too. Right, whichever right. team makes this trade is kind of not gutting, but they're giving up a lot to get Rodgers. Right, so you're giving up quite a bit to get them, unless you don't want to give up players, and then you would therefore go ahead and give up additional draft choices because Denver's got them. Den- Denver got additional draft choices for Von Miller too, so they've got them. You know, another team that believes they're close and they want to get rid of their quarterback, and that's Baker Mayfield over in Cleveland. Cleveland might be willing to do something like that. You know Pittsburgh would. Pittsburgh is a team they believe they're not that far off. Oh, I'd say Rodgers on either of those teams rises up to the top of the AFC with Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think if you put Rodgers in the AFC North on Pittsburgh, that their only competition is Baltimore, and I think that they beat Baltimore. I think they immediately go to to be the top dog in the AFC North. As much as I like Joe Burrow, they're still a ways away because that offensive line is just going to get him killed. Then again, the offensive line of Pittsburgh is not any better. They're bad too. They need they need to fix it. But I'm thinking about a team that's close that just needs a quarterback. Ben was Ben was stiff. They need some they need some wide receivers and they need some some help on their offensive line. Um how about Packers trade Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh for TJ Watt? Right? Throw yeah, Kevin King in there. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, throw Kevin King in. Um, the Titans would be a team. The Colts would be a team. Either one of those. Um, 
So, I mean, there, there's plenty of teams out there. Now you got to look at what their salary cap status is to be able to fortify guys around him. And then you have to look at what what the organization's like. I, I See, I think Denver, people may say, say that Denver's, you know, still far away. I think Denver, they got a decent line. Uh, their defense has been gutted a little bit, and without Von Miller, it's not the same. But they've got they've got some weapons. Denver would not be a bad bad team to go to, I think, if I'm Aaron Rodgers. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. I mean, if you want to hit us up uh, and, and chime in, you can. Uh, give us a call. Um, Uh, let's see here. This is from Michael. Um, Craig says uh, to Pittsburgh for a first pick, two twos and TJ. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get TJ. I don't think you're going to get TJ Watt out of there. Then can we throw in Jordan Love for Taysom Hill? Just make yeah, everybody happy. Would, yeah, then you would throw in Jordan Love and send him down to New Orleans. Watch him have a mass. He, he never will. I'm not even going to say that. He's not going to have that mass amount of success. Uh, Brewer Dave says, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers traded away. I want to see his career end in Green Bay. He has legacy riding on the line. Don't you think he's invested enough in just the legacy aspect of it? I believe so. Sure. Absolutely. I believe Aaron Rodgers wants to, still does. I want. I believe he wants to go down as the greatest quarterback in Green Bay Packer history, which means he's got to win at least another Super Bowl, if not two. Because in the Super Bowl era, Bart Starr has two. So Rodgers needs to win at least one more to be considered in the modern era, the modern Super Bowl era, as the greatest ever in franchise history. He's already put up the numbers. I mean, we already know that. But, but yeah, he's he's got to do that. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Some good stuff. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers re-signing 10 of their players from their practice squad, including quarterback Kurt Benkert and guard Cole Van Lennon, the former Wisconsin Badger. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari has revealed he had to have his left knee drained as many as 15 times during the season as he tried to return from that torn ACL. Some days as much as four ounces of fluid. One nurse telling him it was the most she'd ever seen. Bakhtiari interviewed by Cheesehead TV says after some of his workouts this fall, it felt like he had a water balloon in his knee, making it stiff and painful. Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show yesterday and how the 49ers defense held Green Bay to just 10 points Saturday night. They stopped the run first, and then they got after us in the passing game. They did a nice job of, uh, you know, mixing the coverages up, bringing some pressures, but, you know, we didn't protect uh, specifically great. We had a couple opportunities to hit some big plays and, you know, uh, didn't make them. And we just couldn't quite get back in the rhythm, myself included. Couldn't quite get back into a rhythm offensively. And obviously sputtered in the fourth quarter and had a punt block. And, and rookie center Josh Myers spoke to reporters on what went wrong in the Packers' season-ending loss to San Francisco in the snow at Lambeau. You know, I, I don't know that I could put my finger on exactly what it was. They did a lot of different things. I feel like one one big 
big problem we had is we got behind. I think we got behind the sticks a little bit, and I think that hurt us on some of those three and out drives. We just didn't have great shots at first downs. And to be honest, I haven't watched the tape yet. It's going to be a tough one to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking a few days before I watch it. That's Packers center Josh Myers. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on, Bill Michael Show. Uh, we are uh, enjoying the day today, and uh, also in that sense, um, getting into the discussion regarding uh, Aaron Rodgers and company. So, give us a shout eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seventy eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um, this is from, uh, Adrian says, uh, Green Bay is not a great organization, should have a great tight end and another wide receiver for Aaron instead of three uh, third stringers. Well, Adrian, you know, they, they've drafted, they've brought in guys. They needed to go out and find a middle linebacker. They did. They went out and found outside pass rushers. They did. You, you can't be great at every position. You just can't. They had a really good tight end in Bob, Bobby Tanyan. He went down with a season-ending injury. He was your pass catcher. He was your get-down field guy. So I, you know, that that that's what it is. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. you. You know, you can point that out and say, wow, they needed a better tight end. Well, they had one. Tanyan was a the guy they drafted. They liked him. So there you go. Um, look at the Niners and Kittle and Debo. Great run game. Okay. Right. So you're not going to find another George Kittle out there. And as far as Debo goes, they well, who's comparison? He's he's just a different cat. They don't have Devontae Adams. They don't have a running back like Aaron Jones. They don't have a running back in a combination like A.J. Dillon. They didn't, they didn't have that. You paid a lot of money to have the, the best left tackle in football be on your team. He got hurt. Tanyan was there. He got hurt. They had enough weapons. This, this isn't about the weaponry they had. They, they got beat in the trenches, and their special team sucked. They had that team beat. And you bring up a good point, John. Uh, the, the the 49ers were at the bottom for a long time and started drafting. The Packers don't get to the bottom. They don't do that. They don't they they they're usually drafting in the mid to late twenties or thirties, depending on where they get. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven. 1670, if you want to uh, find us, do so. 877-867-1670. Um, this one's from Mark. Mark says, uh, let's see here. Mark says, uh, I believe Aaron Rodgers should take a pay cut and put him put his money where his mouth is, literally. If he does not, 
then I think Aaron Rodgers is nothing more than a blowhard and we should let him go. I think this is all up to Aaron at this point. If he wants to come back for less money and be a part of a team or if he wants all the money, all the glory, and wants to go somewhere else and try to extend his legacy there. He is no Tom Brady, and he's not going to lead a team via leadership on his own to a Super Bowl. He will need additional pieces around him along with a strong coach. If he doesn't have the coach that he likes, do you think that he goes and sabotages things elsewhere? See, I I think that brings up the question, and I think this is a very valid point. I think that Rodgers... I think if he if he decides to go in a different direction, I think that he doesn't play anymore. I think he retires. I think he retires. That that's my thought. Um, you know, I mean, I I I think he goes away in that sense. I think he either plays in Green Bay or doesn't doesn't come back. That's just the sense that I get. Like I, I don't you're right, because when you talk about him playing for another coach, who's to even to say that he's gonna like where he ends up? Adrian says Rogers to the Saints would be great. Yeah, without a coach. Yeah. There's no more Sean Payton. He could take over that roster, play in a dome. Yeah, I get it. Probably behoove him pretty much. And don't forget, look, there's nothing to say San Francisco can't come calling in the offseason again. It could happen. It really could. They they could they could come calling again. Um what else do we have here? Uh, let's see here. Uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, we'll get to the phone calls coming up here momentarily. We're going to get to it uh, after the top of the hour too, and get back into this. Uh, and there's some we want to also hear some sound from yesterday. Some of the stuff from the McAfee show. By the way, going back to what people are asking, uh, the uh, the David Bakhtiari thing. Yes, I saw it. We talked about it already. It's not like we've missed it. We haven't talked about it. We have. David Bakhtiari uh, did a sit down. Uh, and I don't know who the writer was from Cheesehead TV. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Aaron Nagler. I think it was somebody else who wrote the actual story, but basically sat down and explained what went on with his knee, from the time he had rehab till after that point, the fluid that began gathering. When they went back in and they checked it, it was meniscus. It was some bodies in there, some spurs, that kind of thing. Okay, they cleaned it all up. Then he starts to work out again. It continues to get fluid on the knee. They continue to drain it off. Um, you know, and quite a bit. You should have, as he had stated numerous times in there, that it should be between uh, about 35, you know, cc's of fluid that kind of float around your knee to keep it lubricated and keep it there. He was pushing 80 to 100. It was painful. Uh, it didn't feel right. doesn't allow the skin to bend. And then there were times where he was actually practicing and his knee was leaking because there was so much fluid on the knee actually coming out through the through the openings where they had had the had the surgery and where they had drained it, um, so he it just it never really fully healed. Now, what they said was the knee itself, the actual surgery has been a tremendous success. He is stable. It's the fluid that built up around it, and the only way to stop the fluid from coming in so 
incessantly is to rest it. He never felt like there was this amount of pressure for him to get on the field. He never thought that there were people walking around going, you got to come back, you got to come back. He did feel, though, the frustration of not being there. He did feel that guys were kind of saying, you know, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? So he wanted to come back. But it just, the knee never, the, the fluid around the knee just kept coming and never allowed him to really play. So now that the season's over, you go away. You don't do anything for a while. Nothing. You don't do anything for a while. And you kind of go from there. And uh, he should be able to come back after a complete year off, basically. And his knee should be good. He should be good to go come next season. So your left tackle position, for the most part, should be solidified. Um, obviously, Runyon has played well. Lucas Patrick has played well. Josh Myers has played well. You've got good pieces on that offensive line. It's now just figuring out your depth. And that, your, your, your line, your running back situation, all of that is pretty good. You'll get Tunyon back. All of this stuff is pretty good. You just got to figure out the rest of it. Stay tuned. Another hour yet to go. We'll be back right after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.